The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. And we went, then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, We arrived at Ptolemy, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for another Sunday that we're here to worship together as a family, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gospel that allows us to be here. Um, Because of your son, we have a relationship with you, and we're here this morning to learn more about you, Lord. Take away all distractions this morning, Lord. I pray that um, you will open our hearts and open our minds, Lord, to the message that you have for us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, It's, if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Randall. Um, I'm the pastor, uh, along with Billy. And, you know, it's always, I think just encouraging to me, a little bit emotional when I, when I see uh, Pastor Silas and the work that they're doing with the refugees. It just hits me to the heart. I um, was able this past week to sit with some of the families that they minister to, and uh, there's this young girl, 19 years old, uh, was in a, a, a refugee camp um, back in uh, Burma, and uh, she was there for 10 years, grew up with her family, and uh, just being able to hear her stories, and, and for the team, uh, who are college-age students, to be able to talk with her, connect with her, um, pray with her, and hear her, her story with her family, it, this stuff matters. It matters. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful way in which God is working. Um, so, Yeah. We're in our series right now called Surviving Loneliness, and uh, today we're going through the uh, last message, uh, which is in the book of Acts. This is Acts 20, verses 36 uh, through 21, 7, and as we talk about uh, just an emotional uh, response of, of seeing Pastor Silas, this is an emotional passage of Scripture, this has a lot of deep, deep, deep emotion um, because what this is, is we, we've been talking about in this series, this idea of friendship, how important friendship is in our lives. And, and, and we see it come to this place of ending, 
Paul is about to leave and he's going to be seeing his friends for the last time. But there's this beautiful thing about how God works and, and, and what we see in, in the life of, of believers, of Christians, is this idea of forever friendship. Forever friendship. You know, my son um, and my daughters, uh, they have started making friendships. And it's fun. It's fun watching them as they're making their, their friends uh, my son Kai is eight, my daughter L is six, and my youngest, Ava, is four. And they come home and they tell me, Dad, I made a new friend today. And recently my son brought back this note from his friend Togo. Now Togo has uh, been a friend of Kai's since the beginning of the year. Togo moved from Japan to the United States I uh, was still learning English. And so Kai instantly became friends with Togo. And they sit next to each other in class. And whatever Togo doesn't understand, try, Kai tries to communicate to Togo. And got this beautiful uh, note this week from Togo. Kai, Kai showed me, he said, Dad, look at this. Togo drew this for me. And it was this picture of two friends, uh, Togo's holding up the Japanese flag and Kai is holding up the American flag and it says in the middle, BFF. <laughs> Best friends forever. Kai said, Dad, Togo is my BFF. <laughs> See, there, there is something in all of us that wants forever friends, isn't there? And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, it says, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's hearts. See, why is it that there's something in us that says, I don't wanna just be friends right now, but I wanna be friends with you forever. It's because God put it in our hearts. Eternity is deep within us. See, we all need friends. But in many ways, we live in an age where there is a famine of real friendships. Mother Teresa was quoted as once saying, the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. In our lives, we have spheres of relationships, don't we? We have our neighbors, we have family, we have romantic relationships. But the sphere of friendship is many times neglected until we know we really need it. I was listening to one of my favorite preachers. He was talking about this idea and he says, you know, friendship is a lot like air. A lot of us don't walk around and say, air, 
Oh, I, I just love air. Air is so good. It's really good for me. I need it every day. Air. He says, but you know when you start talking about air like that? It's when you're underwater. When you can't breathe. And when you get to the surface, you say, wow, air is amazing. I love air. See, we don't walk around and say, oh, I need friends, I need friends, I need friends. I mean, it's just not one of those things that we usually think about because we might be surrounded by our neighbors or family or maybe romantic relationships, but it's not until emotionally and personally we're drowning that we say, man, I need friends. I need friends. So what are some of the challenges to friendship in our culture today? You know, it's, it's unique in our world right now, the way that we can travel, mobility. It's so different. We live in a transient city. San Diego is transient. People come and go all the time. And here's the truth. So some of us have learned or are learning that feeling of, I don't need friends. I can do this because... We put up walls, right? We, we say, man, I've lost so many friends in a transient city. You probably had friends move away. And so what you do, and it's easy to do, is to put up a guard and say, I just don't want to start over again. It was really good what I had before, but I just don't want to start over again. It's just going to be too much work to start over. See, mobility is a huge thing in our culture right now. Next is the illusion of friendship. Now, we've talked about this, but even when you say, like, we're friends on Facebook, it's friendship, but what does that mean? It's not the way we would have defined friends 50 years ago. Ronald Sharp, a professor of English at Vassar College, teaches on the literature of friendship, and here's what he says. People are so eager to maximize efficiency of relationships, they have, they have lost touch with what it is to be a friend. Sometimes we don't stop long enough to say, what really is a friend? But we just buy into this illusion of the surface and saying, oh yeah, I've got a bunch of friends. But again, when we're going under, what happens? Last one's time. See, we live in a busy culture. And many times it's easy to not prioritize friendships. And then when we turn around, when we're going through something difficult, we look around and we say, where are all my friends? Kevin DeYoung says, we are so busy with a million pursuits that we don't even notice the most important things slipping away. It's easy to do in our culture because time seems so limited. And so again, our text is Acts 20, 36 through 21, 7. And, and here's what's happening. Paul had just finished his third missionary journey and is uh, speaking with the Ephesian elders, the leaders of that Ephesian church, who he'd walked alongside with. They'd been a part of a, a church plant. And over time, doing ministry together, rubbing shoulders, they became very close friends. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
his friends were sensing that this was going to be the last time that they saw Paul before he dies. We'll see it in the text today. What this is, it's a moving picture of what forever friendship looks like. One commentator uh, talking about this says, you know, it's, it's important not to get caught up in chapter 21 with all these places. We can get overwhelmed with like the, the names, the places, the records of it all. But he says, we need to really focus in on what it's trying to get to us. The strength of Christian friendships that's expressed here. You know, scholars say that this is very similar to the discourse of when Jesus was leaving his disciples, his friends. Jesus' farewell discourse to his friends was, was very emotional. And now we see the apostle Paul who's having that same type of goodbye with these elders. Uh, and so the question is this, how do we build and keep great friendships? How do we build and keep great friendships? And so in this text, we see three ways, three ways. Um, and so I'm gonna give you all three up front. If you're taking notes today, here's what they are. It's through connectedness, committedness, bondedness. Connectedness, committedness, bondedness. And so the first one, connectedness. Uh, we can see it in verses 36 through 38. And here's what it says. It says, uh, when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So there is this connectedness that we see all through this text. We'll see it in verse 36. It says, when he had said these things. Okay, so what things had Paul talked about? Because whenever you see that, you say, okay, well, what, what was he saying? Well, if we go back a little bit further, we can see some of it in verses 31 through 32. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So what we see here is that Paul, for three years, had invested in these people. He'd spent time with them. And it wasn't only that he, he taught them and invested in them, but he did this with tears. He wept with them. He wanted them so badly to capture this idea of God's grace and God's word and, and what it meant. It was a connectedness that was very emotional. See, Paul openly shared his heart with the people. He, he didn't keep the guard up and try to keep it cool, but he says, no, this connects with me so deeply that it's even with tears that I share this with you. And so we find in the text that it says he knelt down. They prayed with him. See, emotional sensitivity is extremely important when it comes to friendships. It says there were, was much weeping on the part of all. Okay, so it wasn't like one guy crying in the corner and everybody watching him saying, wow, that's weird. A little awkward. But it was all of them. 
connected in a deep, intimate way where it says they embraced Paul and kissed him. They cared deeply for him. See, culturally, this was something where they, they, they would come together and, and they didn't have those rules like, oh, you can't do that. And it wasn't romantic because a lot of the times when we think, when we think of relationships, it's gotta be romantic. No. This is a deep connectedness that they had as friends. And about verse 38, Daryl Bach points out, he says, Paul and company now head to Jerusalem after tearing themselves away from their friends. The Greek term indicates the emotional difficulty of the departure. This is, this is what this, this Greek word looks like. It, it, was, it was to the extent of distress. Distress. It was the same word was used when Jesus uh, was in the temple and his parents were looking for him. And they're like, where's Jesus at? He's a teenager. I think we lost him and they are distressed. That's the same word that's used here when the elders are thinking about Paul leaving. They're just in distress. See, this emotional connectedness is extremely important when it comes to friendships. Uh, Proverbs 27, 14 is interesting. You know, the book of Proverbs teaches a lot about friendship. And so if you want to know more about friendship, read through the book of Proverbs. But there's this funny verse in Proverbs 27, 14. Here's what it says. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. Like, what does that mean? This is someone, when we're talking about friendship, who is not emotionally connected to somebody to see that them yelling loudly in the morning at their neighbor, at their friend, is not a good idea. Okay, and so they're, they're lacking the connectedness to somebody else to say, that's not a good idea. They probably wouldn't like that if I did that. Probably wouldn't like it if I shouted out to them early in the morning. They just wouldn't go for that. They're not really a morning person. See, it's caring about the other person. It's putting yourself in the shoes of somebody else. And so the book of Proverbs is talking about that saying, okay, just a starting place is probably saying you should probably listen to somebody else's heart and know this about them that you wouldn't do this. This is a person who is emotionally disconnected from others, not sensitive to what others are going through. And so how do we become more emotionally connected to others like we see with the life of the Apostle Paul and his friends? Well, really, it's, it's, it's a heart change. It's a heart change. You, you ever heard that, that phrase? I mean, they've got a heart of stone. They, they, they can't connect with other people. They just can't really relate. You know what Jesus does when he comes into your life and my life as a believer? He takes hearts of stone and turns them into hearts of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about this. It says that um, we had hearts of stone, but yet when the Lord comes in, when Jesus comes into our life, he makes them hearts of flesh. 
You know what happens with a heart of flesh? You start to feel things. Your heart becomes more of a heart. See, when Jesus comes into your life, you are able to connect with people in ways you could have never connected with them before. Because you didn't feel it. But there's a sensitivity, there's an emotional connectedness to others and what they're going through. It's the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. See, this is what friendships are based on. Again, as Ryan was talking about earlier, we were able to go visit the hub on Monday. And the hub is this beautiful space where um, Mike Evans is, in, he's the leader. And, and, and one of the things he said is, um, as you guys come in here, you need to understand that everybody that walks in here is made in the image of God. The Imago Dei. And so when we sit around these tables, friendship is built not by people coming in here saying, we're here to help the homeless. We're here, you're down here, and we're just here to help you. But what it is, is people saying, no, we're equal. Equal in value and worth. And it's not just us serving pizza, but it's us coming and saying, hey, I'm gonna have a slice of pizza with you and I'm gonna drink a cup of coffee with you and we're gonna sit together around a table. He says the great equalizer is sitting around a table together. Connectedness. And you see when Jesus comes into your life and you start to hear more and more about who Jesus is and what he's done, It'll change you. It'll make you a person that says, I'm not better than anyone else. But we are all in God's image. So there is a connectedness that happens in friendship. The next part is found in verse four. It's committedness. Okay, and so it says this. In in having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Now, this commitment is seen on multiple levels. First, it says that in verse 4, having sought out the disciples. It's a really practical thing. And so when many times I hear this story, when people move to a new city, they say, man, I, I haven't been in church for years. Why? Because I just didn't really look. Just kind of thought it was going to happen. But what we saw, see, in the life of Paul and his companions is that they would seek out other disciples. There was a committedness to say, I'm going to put myself out there and go and find other Christians. And so they were committed to seek out. Here's what we see as their friendship was built, that there's a commitment to protect. Look at verse four. It says, through the spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Okay, so earlier, the the spirit, Paul says, uh, the spirit told him he needs to go to Jerusalem. He's gonna die in Jerusalem. They're not gonna see his face again. So is the spirit contradicting here? No. It's because these men knew that the spirit was right. That they were urging him and saying, don't go. 
We love you. We, we don't want to see you die. Please stay with us. See, they, they were in tune with God and were distressed about the danger ahead for their friend. And so what this should tell us is that when you have a true friendship, you're willing to protect your friend. The next is this commitment to advise. And so even as they were talking with Paul, they, they were trying to advise, like, please don't go there. And they're giving him this advice. And, and here's the thing, Paul, he, he takes it and he doesn't say, how dare you try to keep me here? But he receives it. He says, guys, you know, I have to go. You know, I have to go. But he saw that their heart was in it, that they cared for him. See, Proverbs 27, six says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know what true friends do? <laughs> They're willing to tell you the, the thing that might hurt. And for these men, as, as their friends, Paul had to tell them something that was gonna hurt. Guys, I gotta go. And I know it's not what you want, but I have to tell you the truth. See, true friends are truth tellers. But, it's, see how it can get out of whack sometimes where it's like you got somebody who's like always trying to truth, 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 but no connectedness. No connectedness emotionally doesn't get what you're going through, doesn't want to put themselves in your shoes and say, oh, I hear you, I, I, I feel for you, I, I feel what you're feeling and, and I want to be there for you. It's both coming together in a beautiful way that God is bringing his grace through. Lastly, it's bondedness. Bondedness. And so verses uh, five through seven, it says, and kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Telamas. Uh, you said it better, Janie. I was like, man. And we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. So Aristotle talked about friendships. He said there were three types of friendships. He says one of the types is that uh, friendship is built on usefulness. We look at people, we say, oh, I want to be friends with you because you're useful to me. You're pretty cool, so I want to be cool and I want to be around you. Usefulness. You have something that you can offer. So he said friendships, in some sense, there's a type that's built off of usefulness. The second one is built on amusement. Amusement's like, man, they're fun to be around. They're really funny. So I like having them around, so I'll be friends with them. Amusement. But he said there's a third type of friendship that he said is the most powerful friendship of all. And he says this is a friendship that is built on virtue. And the way you would describe virtue is a shared vision of life. Having a shared vision of how you see the world. And so when we see 
these friends coming together, praying, weeping, having this moment on the beach. What was their shared vision for life? It was Jesus. It was Jesus, that they, they had this connectedness, this, this beautiful bondedness because of, of Jesus bringing them together. It's through Jesus. Through this section, we see something called the we section. The we section is uh, different uh, things that we're, we're Luke says, we did this, we did this. So it says, we prayed, we went, we had finished, we arrived, we greeted and stayed. The we section. It wasn't described singular. It was described plural. And what we find in this text as they journeyed together was they had this memorable moment You see, look at the end of verse five. It says, kneeling down on the beach. I mean, what better visual could you have than that, right? Like you're like hanging out on the beach together, praying. See, what what binds most friendships together more than anything? It's being together and having meaningful moments. It's those moments that you look back and you say, remember when this happened? Remember that moment? Wasn't that so cool? All of us want that. But here's the thing. There's something in us at times that just wants to be a little selfish and say, I just don't want to show up. I want to hold on to myself. And so what happens when we don't show up? We miss the moment. We have FOMO, right? I don't want to miss it. But then we just, there's something in us like fear of missing out. But we just don't show up. See, uh, Hanging out with college kids is fun because you get to know all the new terms and stuff. It's funny. Um, and this girl on the mission trip, she's like, we need to go to LA and these places and this and this and do all this stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. And uh, I'm like, you know the traffic? And she's like, you know what? But it's DTA. It's DTA, down to adventure. <laughs> down to adventure. I'm like, all right, DTA, like... There you go. That's the new thing. But uh, do you know how you build friendships? DTA. Do you want to know, you want bondedness in your life? DTA, you got to be down to adventure. You got to get out there. And what we see in the lives of these disciples of Jesus is that they were on the greatest adventure that you could ever have. They were on this adventure where God was changing lives. They're rubbing shoulders and they're moving forward in Jesus' name. And there's this bondedness that's built that no app could ever replace. Right? 
So what do we learn about friendship? Just some takeaways. Number one, there are seasons of friendship. There are seasons. I, I know it's hard. Like, especially when I was younger, I just didn't get it. Like, when, I didn't get it that when I left to college, that most of my friends are not going to be there when I get back. It was a season. And when I think back, I, I got this message this week from one of my friends. This was my first group of Christian friends. We can put it up there. There I am all the way on the left there, and these are my friends. And we're chatting on Facebook Messenger about how great it was back then when we were kids. And you know what bonded us? It was Christ. It was when we were on those youth mission trips. It was when we were together at youth group that I think back and I look and I, and I say, wow, that was fun. And one of, our, one of our friends, I don't think she meant it this way. She's like, yeah, that was great. I'll see you guys in eternity when we're friends, you know? It's like, yeah, I guess so. But it's like, we, we probably will never be all together in one place again like that. That was a season of life. Does that make it a bad thing? No. It was a beautiful season. It was a season that helped me to grow personally in my, in my relationship with Jesus. See, Timothy Keller says, because of mobility, we live in a culture where friends are taken from us faster than we can forge them. But it doesn't mean that you don't put yourself out there and engage. And so at the risk again of sounding cliche, I'm gonna say, get connected to a city group. Get connected to a city group. Again, it's not gonna be a Sunday gathering that's gonna keep you. It's gonna be relationships and the friendships around you that's gonna keep you in your faith. And it's gonna help you to go deeper in Christ. C.S. Lewis once said, our father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will, encourage us to, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. That's seasons. It's not home. It's just great times along the way that God blesses us with. And man, it's a pleasant end, isn't it? The next takeaway is this. There is a diversity in friendship. Verse five says, we departed and went on our journey and they all with wives and children accompanied us until we were outside the city. Here's the thing. The apostle Paul was single. And he's surrounded with people with kids and families and I'm sure youth and all types of different people that are around and they're all together. See, that's the beauty of the church, isn't it? It's not just one group of people, but it's all of us coming together, different life stages, and there's a diversity in friendship. We need friendships with people in different seasons of life than us. Why? Because we can invest, we can learn, we can grow. We all need that. And so there is a diversity in friendship and it's built in in the family of God. 
The third takeaway, there is more to friendship. See, friendship is not meant to stay on the surface, but to go deeper. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You had those friends that were there during times of difficulty? Invest and pour in to friendships. Don't just stay on the surface level. And uh, last point is this. There is a longing for eternal friendships. There is a longing for eternal friendships. My dad once told me a story about a friend he he once had. And um, they were in high school together. My dad invited him out to go ride dirt bikes with him. Um, His mom, his friend's mom said that it was too dangerous and so he couldn't go. So he went to a friend's house instead. And um, him and that friend were playing with a gun. They got dad's gun out, they were playing with it and he shot him, shot his friend on accident, killed him. And my dad told me that story because I asked him why my name is Randall. And he said, that's the name of my friend that got shot. See, I don't wanna forget my friend. And so I named you after him. And you say, well, how do you get forever friendships? That's the case. We don't want to forget our friends. We, we want forever friends. What do we do? Here's the thing. Even the best friends, death comes for us all. It does. So what's the solution for our longing for forever friendships? In John 20, 11 through 18, Jesus rises from the dead. He resurrects from the dead. His friends just a little bit earlier saw him die on the cross. His friends were brokenhearted. They thought it was over. They thought it was finished. It was done. And then one day, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. And she looks in and it's empty. And what does she do? She looks around and she, she sees what she thought was the gardener. She's just in a daze at this point. Like, what's going on? My friend's gone. And she starts talking with him and, and Jesus reveals himself and says, it's me. It's me. And what does she do? She, she grabs a hold of him. She like holds on to him tightly. She holds on to him. She never wants to let him go. Right? Her friend. Her forever friend. He's back. You're not leaving me this time, Jesus. You left me last time. You're not leaving me again. He says, Mary, I gotta go. I have to leave. I have to go to the Father. But I'm going to send one that's going to help you to know that I'm always there. The comforter, 
the Holy Spirit. See, how do we know that we have our friend with us, Jesus, forever? It's because he sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And he says, you don't just have to hold on to me like this, but I'll be even closer. The closest place in your heart. He says, that's why I died. So that I can be your forever friend. And that when you look around in eternity, you're going to be able to celebrate because you're going to start to see friend after friend after friend after friend. Forever friends because of Jesus, his work on the cross covers a multitude of sins. So today, if you say, man, I, I, I don't know where to start, start with Jesus. He's made a way. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that Matthew 11, you said that you are a friend of sinners. That is the gospel. That's the good news. That when you look at us, you don't look at us in a distant way, but you say, I'm your friend. And that because of your friendship, Lord, we can look around and have friends that won't just be for a season ultimately, but will be friends forever in Christ. And so I pray, Lord, today that if there's anyone that's lonely here, that doesn't sense your presence, Lord, in their heart and they're needing a friend today, that they find it in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.